you're joining the conversation with Shortlisted, a podcast from the Greater Midwest Chapter, or GMC, of the Association of Proposal Management Professionals. We chat about proposals, the business of winning work, and nailing the shortlists in our lives. I'm your host, Paul Lockwood, Senior Sales Operations Analyst at the Vitality Group in Chicago. And I'm co-host Heather Finch, a proposal professional with a little over a decade of experience, currently leading the proposal and presentation solution team at Guardian Life. I'm talking to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This month, we're having a chat with Haley Watkins, Secretary for APMP GMC. Hi, Haley, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you guys. I'm excited to be here. Um, Like Paul said, I'm Haley Watkins and I'm calling in from and you're seeing me in my lovely home in Mexico. So uh, the Greater Midwest chapter is now, I guess, international. Um, My husband and I made the leap in the beginning of January and have moved down to Mexico. And um, I've been a part of APMP and the GMC since it feels like the start, um, since about 2011, so 11 years now. Um, So I'm the secretary uh, this go around. I've been former past chair, past vice chair. I've held multiple roles um, and I've been in the proposal business for about as obviously as long for 11 years or so. Um, And I've spent most of that time um, in the architecture, engineering and construction space um, for large corporations. So I've spent my entire career um, helping companies win big infrastructure projects like sexy things like a new wastewater treatment plant. Um, which I know way too much about wastewater treatment um, to like cooler things like being able to help with a new, you know, highway going through a community or what have you. Um, So I spent 11 years doing that. And then just starting this year, I decided to branch out on my own um, and start a consulting company um, with my dear friend and colleague, Kristen Maycumber. So we launched Summit Strategy um, this year and things are going great. There's obviously learning curves. Her and I were just talking about some of those this morning, actually. Um, but my my proposal career continues. Um, I'm just now able to do it for more than just one company, which is overwhelming sometimes, but it also keeps things interesting. And every day is a new adventure. And it's very rewarding being able to, to help multiple, really small to medium-sized businesses win more work as opposed to just one. So that's a little bit about me. So if you're south of the border, does that make you a GM Senora? Okay, I think it probably does. It does. (laughs) Yes. And with all those years in the wastewater treatment business, uh, with all those years down the drain? Uh, No, not not by any means. In fact, we live kind of near a wastewater treatment plant. And it's funny, my husband's, he's like, why does this one smell so bad? I'm like, because they probably don't have X, Y, and Z, all of this infrastructure that we have in the States. And he's like, you know way too much about that stuff. <laughs> okay, well, you, you kind of talked about it a little bit already, but we're going to get into our first segment here, talking to you about becoming your own consultant. And it sounds like how it's going so far is pretty darn good. I would say it's going pretty darn good. Um, I knock on wood sometimes. I feel very lucky. I know that not everybody has a um, a successful start, and it takes some, you know, companies and individuals going out on their own months to years to be able to build the business that Kristen and I have built um, in fairly short order, um, which I really think goes to 
you know, really talk about our network and the importance of having a solid network in the proposal world, which is probably the greatest benefit that I've ever received from APMP is, you know, knowing people like you all and all of the other APMPers out there. Um, and then, of course, just being in the industry for so long um, and moving from a couple companies and especially the architecture, engineering and construction space. It's a small world. So people bounce around to various companies um, and keeping our network strong really has helped us in building a, a base uh, client base. And building the client base is, is the operative term there. Coming uh -huh. <laughs> but it's interesting now that you say that, Paul, like my, my background has always been in the AEC world, um, but as a consultant, you don't say no to people that want your help. And so we've now found ourselves, we have a few AEC clients, but we've now found ourselves in the logistics industry um, and the translation industry and the consulting industry. Um, let's see, I was just talking to a farming company yesterday about how they want to break into the federal government and provide their fruits and vegetables. And it's it's a whole new industries that I've never been um, exposed to in the past because I was so kind of in my AEC bubble. But as a consultant, you don't say no. So, of course, we can help you <laughs> and we'll learn the industry along the way, just like I did with the wastewater treatment. <laughs> well, and you know, you have a lot in common with farmers because you're outstanding in your field. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> Right, so uh, my question is going to yes. be pun-free, I promise. Okay, a pun-free uh, one, all right. Hey, all right. it's the balance, balance, right? <laughs> so Haley, uh, I will admit, uh, I, I took a, a jab at freelancing earlier in my career, just a freelance writer before I, I found my passion for proposals. Uh, it, it did not go well, I failed. Um, so what do you think it has been the key to success besides your network, or maybe what has been most surprising that you weren't expecting with this move? Yeah, I think, um, you know, really the key to success now that I can kind of look back on a couple months worth of being in business is not pigeonhole our services into we only manage proposals. That is a very important piece of our business, but we really have come at it from a, a stance of we can be your in-house proposal and marketing team. So we have alongside of us built up a network of contractors that we work with um, that are writers, they specialize in writing, or designers who specialize in graphic design, web designers who are helping our clients, you know, revamp their digital presence, um, branding experts, so that when we meet and we get connected to a small or medium-sized business, we're really able to um, take all of the marketing and proposal, you know, kind of burden off of their shoulders. And we're that integrated team for them. So we understand their marketing message, right, from doing their marketing aspects, but then we're able to translate that into their proposals very seamlessly, as opposed to if they hired somebody for their website and they hired somebody for their social media and they hired somebody to do their proposals, it can get very disjointed. It was even disjointed when I was in the corporate world because we weren't talking to each other. Um, and so for these small businesses, it's really um, kind of, I think that's been our key to success is always saying yes um, and we'll figure out how to do it um, or find the expert that can do it. And then, um, you know, just being that integrated team for them. What was the, the reason for the timing of your change? Was there a particular single deciding factor that said, you know, I should do this now? <laughs> well, yes and no. I would say the I've always wanted 
um, to have more flexibility in my life. Um, and I've always wanted to work for myself. I saw my brother, he's has started multiple successful companies and I, you know, I've seen how hard he works, but I've also seen the reward and, and, and how much he values the, the companies that he's built. And so I always thought that, you know, one day I would, uh, start my own company and then, a little thing called COVID happened and we all started working from home. I never thought I would be a home dweller and worker. Um, and then I discovered that I loved it. Um, and so I think just through the COVID experience, I got to really, really evaluate the priorities of my life. My husband and I decided that we wanted to move and we wanted to live abroad. And to do that, it's it's very hard to convince a corporation to let you do that um, when you're not the boss. And so it was like, okay, I have to become my own boss um, if this is the life that I want to live. And so that was really the impetus, Paul, is we decided that we wanted to to leave and to move um, in 2022. And so, um, you know, I had I had a goal to make. <laughs> so you used to be in the Midwest and went all the way to Mexico. Um, yes. Any particular reason that you chose to go thousands of miles away? Um, you know, multiple reasons, um, and I could talk about it for hours and days. Um, but I mean, the weather is not terrible, <laughs> although it's a little warm today. Um, the culture, the way of life. Um, I've always had an itch to just discover new cultures and new cities. And we had the opportunity during COVID to come down here um, for about two months, um, and work remotely here. And that was really like the, aha, this is, this is where we belong, at least for now. We might move back home at some point, but, um, that's, that's kind of our story. What kind of resources uh, does GMC have available for those that are looking at going into consulting field? So I think there's really a, there's probably two, then there might be more that I'm not even thinking off the top of my head. But the first one would be the virtual consultant networking group on Facebook. Um, so it's a group of consultants like me um, that come together. They ask each other questions. They source for 1099 contractors for particular jobs um, because not only is it you know, difficult to do business development and go find clients, it's equally as difficult to find you know, qualified and quali quality 1099 contractors to help you execute those sometimes. Um, and so joining the virtual consultant network, you're, you're able to get to know some of those fellow contractors, build that trust. So when the opportunity comes that you just have too much work, you can't execute it on your own, you kind of have a trusted system that you can lean on and, and get referrals from. Um, and so that would be my first um, recommendation. The second one would be the mentorship program, um, especially for somebody that has a specific goal in mind, if they want to start a consulting um, business or even just, you know, dabble in freelance on the side and see if it's something that they're interested in and that they, they enjoy working within. Um, joining the mentorship program and, and requesting a mentor who's taken that leap and can kind of help you guide um, your way through either working two jobs at the same time, essentially, or, um, you know, how do I know when I'm ready to leave my day job? Or how do I set up the infrastructure for a business? How do I file an LLC, for God's sakes? Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> Cool. It it sounds like uh, business is expanding, not contracting. Even though you're a contractor, contract. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Um, I think it's a I think it's a good time um, for contractors. Um, I think things are leveling out a little bit when it comes to 
Um, the workforce issues that we saw mid-pandemic and beginning of this year with the great resignation and all the all those things, right? Um, and so that was a really good time as a contractor because companies are pursuing more work than ever and their workforce was probably more unstable than ever. Um, and so then being able to call upon companies like ours that you know you can you know call them on a Monday and you can kick off a proposal on a Tuesday with very little learning curve or ramp up time um, was very valuable. And I think as the economy you know obviously picks up and there's more opportunities out there, um, I think the contracting world is is honestly the future of work for a lot of industries. Um, maybe not now, maybe not in 10 years, but 15, 20 years time, I could see a lot of people being just contract based. Cool. All right, we're going to move on to our second segment. The best thing that happened to you this month. The best thing that happened to you this month. So I will get us started. I was fortunate enough in the past month to see and review two, not just one, but two Broadway and Chicago shows. I went to see six about the six wives of Henry VIII and Moulin Rouge about love, jealousy, and 20th, 21st century music in 1899 Paris. Uh, people seem to love both musicals, um, some some truly losing their heads over that Henry VIII show. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, um, Moulin Rouge, which was based on the 2001 film, uh, used all sorts of musical mashups of songs, maybe everybody from Elton John to Elvis Presley to Katy Perry to Tina Turner. Um, people were rougeing to see that one too. <laughs> and when it comes to Moulin Rouge, I just hope there wasn't a makeup exam. And, you know, the, the surprising thing about Six, it was performed without an intermission, but we did hear from two wives about Acts 1 and Acts 2. <laughs> so those are just some of my cutting remarks. That's awesome. Glad How to have you, theater Heather? back, huh? <laughs> yes. How about you, Heather? Um, I mean, Paul, you're the only theater that I need. But um, so something that I don't know if this is the best thing that happened to me this month, but it's really interesting. So a few months ago, I had actually found out that there is a novel that was recently written that is titled With My Name. So there is a literally a book called Heather Finch. What? And yes. So I found that out a little while ago. Well, that was a fun fact. Through the power of social media, I found out not only that the author resides in Milwaukee, but we have a friend in common. Oh my gosh. So Small I am part. I am looking forward to to finding out what the true story behind this title was and um, you know, sharing it on a future episode. What is the book about? Do you know? Um, it is about, uh, it sounds like a, a woman who had been taking care of her husband for a long time and he recently passed and it's kind of her story. I have not read it yet. I'm waiting. So it's currently, and I'll just give a plug for it. Why not? Everybody should read a book called Heather Finch as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so it's currently available on Amazon on like, you know, for download, but I want to wait until the paperback comes out in June before I yeah. read it because I got that's got to go on my bookshelf. That's amazing. Who knew? I, right? <laughs> <laughs> Haley, what's the best thing that's happened to you this month? Oh my gosh. The best thing that's happened to me this month um, is we had, well, 
I'll preface all this by saying I used to live in Kansas City, so people didn't come and visit us a lot. I'll just say that. It wasn't an exciting place to go on vacation. Now living in Mexico, that's completely changed. So we made it through three straight weeks of visitors. Um, so we were able to see family, friends that we haven't seen since we left in January. Um, so that was amazing. But I think probably the best thing that happened isn't anything that really happened. It's just kind of what I you know, took away from that is that I could kind of play by afternoon, but still work in the morning. And I was really able to juggle the consulting life with having an endless amount of visitors come, come see us. Um, and so that was pretty great. It was, it was nice to send them all home and now have my life back, but, uh, it was great to see them as well. Cool. So no siestas during that time. No, uh -uh. no, no. No siestas. <laughs> My husband has gotten very into the siesta thing. I'll go downstairs to where his office is, and I'm like, where is he? He's on the couch. <laughs> right. Well, I think next up we have our third segment, and that is Dear GMC. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Dear, Dear GMC is your opportunity to submit questions and get answers from fellow proposal professionals. So... We've got one for this group. It's a good one. Dear GMC, I struggle with collaboration. I'm the only proposal resource on my team, though we do have proposal and marketing folks embedded in other parts of the company. I've tried to engage those people and recommend a shared location for commonly used materials, company information, and starter files but no one really seems interested in sharing. It's not malicious or anything. I think they're just too busy and trying to stay in their own lanes. I feel like I'm on an island and I know there are more efficient ways to work, but I can't do everything on my own and I can't force it. Any advice? Sincerely, Ivana team up. So Haley, since you're the guest of honor, I'll let you kick it off. Do you have any thoughts for Ivana and how she can handle this sticky situation? Yeah, no, I and I've been there, honestly. Um, I also worked in an organization where I had my own team, but then there were teams of, you know, me and my team all across the country and different markets. And collaboration was difficult because I was focused on water infrastructure. And so I rarely would talk to the aviation team until I really needed something. Um, and so we were in a very similar scenario right when um, Teams came out. Um, and knowing that things weren't going to happen from the top down and that there really was no top, we were autonomous teams that were trying to figure out a way to work together. Um, we just started a, an ad hoc um, grassroots Teams channel um, on Teams, and we used it literally every single day um, to ask, okay, what's the latest of our safety stats? Who has the latest certificate of insurance? Um, welcome to the new team member, Katie, or things like that. Happy birthday to so-and-so. And so it really just took really us adopting that and embracing the collaboration. And sometimes it wasn't even anything for work related. It was a congratulations on getting 40 under 40 for APMP um, and creating our little community within teams. Um, but that then also served as a sharing site and a, a way to share information, but other people felt like they were also getting something out of it. Um, so I would, I'm all about the grassroots. And so that's one of the recommendations I would have. Excellent. Thanks, Haley. What are your thoughts, Paul? 
Well, Ivana, uh, I'm kind of on Haley's side here a little bit in terms of teams helping your team. Um, we have within our team a huddle each morning, uh, 8.30, just to kind of touch base with everybody. And most of the time it's, you know, is there something that's come into our inbox that we need to assign out to one of us? Um, that sort of work-related kind of stuff. But then it's also something, you know, oh, I saw a great concert last night. Or um, just some of the kind of fun non-work-related things that can bind you a little bit better, uh, result in more bonding between uh, team members. And I think if if you're only reaching out when you need something, it's difficult to get that kind of uh, willingness to perhaps collaborate more. Uh, it's the same with subject matter experts. If you're only talking to them when you're absolutely on a deadline and you need something and you don't ask them how their life is going besides, you're, you're probably going to get some resistance. And um, no matter how professional you are, uh, being personal can also be helpful. Hmm. Yeah, I think those are, are both excellent points, especially right now where so many of our teams are more dispersed than usual, having been, you know, working from home and missing that office contact and and face-to-face -face contact that we we might have gotten before. And, and maybe even if we, we don't realize, we might be craving it a little bit too. Um, I think I have a, an opposite perspective. I love the grassroots idea, and, and that may be a really good first step, especially for somebody like Ivana, that it sounds like it isn't gaining much traction, isn't able to get many people on, on board to help. And so that might be a really good first step to start building the bonds between the teams. You know, I think a, a more permanent solution would be to really take a step back and look at um, the the organization, you know, and, and depending on where you're at, the size of your organization, what kind of access you have to executive leaders to make the kinds of decisions that you would need, right? So every circumstance is going to be different, but maybe it's time to take a look back and see if there's a more efficient structure that could be put into place and to create like a, a proposal center of excellence that would be able to, to handle things. You know, another idea would be to see what kind of resources the company might offer in terms of um, implementing uh, like IT technology upgrades and saying, is there a proposal software tool that, that would you could invest in and have shared access to these resources plus additional efficiency tools? Um, but that's, again, that's really playing the, the long game uh, for most companies, because you'd really need to start getting everybody on board to 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 track, you know, their their time, their efficiency. You got to You got to make that um, that demonstration that you you can really pay for the the system that you're asking for with the efficiency gained. So I, I think great first start is to start building those relationships and see where you can go from there. And then as you as you um, continue to even know who in your organization works on proposals. Some of us are in, in companies that are so large that you might not have even met half the proposal people, but to be able to build that network and then go from there. Um, hopefully, hopefully this helps Ivana a little bit with her with her challenge. Ivana, yeah. I hope that's the case. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, anyhow, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shortlisted and that you'll join us next month. And of course, a quick disclaimer and reminder. 
The advice offered in this podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Use of this podcast is not intended to replace or substitute any professional, financial, medical, legal, or other advice. This podcast, its hosts, and APMP GMC are not responsible for the outcome or results of following any advice in any given situation. You, and only you, are completely responsible for your actions. Thanks, Heather. If we're now on your final list of podcast favorites, we'd love to hear from you. Email our producer at kstutzman, K-S-T-U-T-S-M-A-N, at gmcapmp.org. To all those winning business out there, on behalf of me, Heather, our special guest, Haley, and all of us in the greater Midwest chapter, we'll GMC you next time on Shortlisted. <laughs>